Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Next Level. So today I want to go over my thoughts on Japan from a previous podcast that I mentioned before. I want to clarify on some of my thoughts about my observations on the similarities between Taiwan and Japan.、Um, I think most of you already know there are definitely. Similarities between these two countries, but、um, just to go over real quick, Japan was labeled the Asian miracle back in the 70s and 80s、um, because of their economic success. After Japan, I would say many、um, historians also agree that Taiwan would be the next Asian miracle. So what I'm seeing in Japan now. Or what I'm seeing in Japan, maybe 20 years ago, is very similar to what I'm seeing in Taiwan now. And to keep things simple, the term that I would like to introduce is called social drift. Now, what drift means is that you are like a piece of wood floating in the ocean. There's really no direction. You don't know where you're going. That's what drift means. And social drift just means the entire society is kind of floating around without any direction. Now, this was not a problem for the boomers after World War II because the entire generation had one purpose, and that was to rebuild. Japan's economy was destroyed. There was pretty much nothing for them to do except to rebuild, and rebuild they did. It took. A whole generation to do that, decades. But once economic success, and of course, it's subjective how you define success. But once that has been achieved by the older generation, the young generation suddenly found life unsatisfying. It's hard to measure that. It's hard to get that in a number. But this stuff, emotion stuff, like. Satisfying, unsatisfying. They're, they're very subjective. So,、um, what I'm saying here is just an overall feeling that many、um, young Japanese experienced, maybe starting in the '90s. What I what I、um, have noticed, interestingly, is that that is also the time when Japan started building a lot of entertainment stuff. Like they built coliseums, sports arenas, entertainment. Um, facilities, and that's pr- pretty much what happens when a, a economy、um, starts to take off and it reaches a certain level. People start wanting entertainment and other luxuries. So once they built all that, they really didn't know what to do next.、Um, this is not uncommon, and when this started to Impact the thinking of the young people. They became even more lost, and what effect this had on Japan's society and economy was something very destabilizing, which is very ironic because Japan and many Asian countries stresses the importance of. Stabilization, right? They, on the surface, Japan looks like a very stable country. They don't really fire people. You go to work, you come back from work. So on the surface, everyone's employed and has a job. But when I'm talking about destabilization, I'm not talking about 
work. I'm talking about the entire society. And um, another main point is that it, the, the boomers and the rebuilders, they experienced something. They experienced a lack. They lacked basic food and water supply. They lacked something. So they had a common goal to solve this lack. But the Japanese that were born and grew up in the rich economy, Japan, didn't have these problems. They didn't lack anything. So what they knew was domestic peace, a stable education, good health care, and more importantly, consumer goods. So what happened was that Japan became very focused on consumption. Um, and that's probably one pillar of capitalism, right? You produce goods for people to buy. This went on for maybe two decades, and then suddenly their economic bubble popped, and now they're kind of struggling to regain that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into really deep details about economic similarities or differences, because that's really boring. Um, what I want to talk about instead is just the entire similarity in the mindset about drifting. So um, in Taiwan, when I'm talking to people, um, or when I look at the generational differences, the older generation would often, not all of them, but they fall into, to me, two groups in my own survey. One is the group that shakes their head and, and kind of looks down on the younger generation and say, ah, they, they're, not, they're not really working hard, they don't save money, and so on. And the other, maybe younger, elder generation um, will say something like, yeah, what, why not? You know, we worked hard so they could be happy. Yeah, that, that's good, but happy isn't a purpose in life. You know, I don't know um, if this kind of mo motif, this theme really works if you just say, what do you want to do in life? Oh, I want to be happy. You know, I, I don't know how long that can um, sustain um, in all of your lifetime. Maybe in your 20s, maybe? I'm not sure, but there's more to life than just being happy. So what I'm trying to stress here is that once you experience drift you start looking for a purpose and once you can't find one or there really isn't one because there's no clear and present danger or crisis you start looking for happiness okay and there is never a shortage of people trying to sell you happiness i mean look at just turn on your cell phone or turn on your tv Everyone or every company is trying to sell you some kind of happiness. You know, eat some food, be happy. You know, buy this, be happy. Even when I'm taking the MRT and I'm looking at the um, commercial from the MRT uh, company, they're all smiling. Everyone is happy. It's like, be happy when you take the MRT. So you can see now that, to me at least, a lot of what's going on now is just a search for happiness, but at the same time, of course, you know, be stable. Of course, when I say this, a lot of people will probably say to me, no, we're under a lot of stress. There's, you know, work security, health security, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. 
Sure, sure. I understand that um, these are what we call immediate concerns, right? I mean, you could lose your job, you could lose your health. Yeah, these are these are um, definite possibilities. But what I'm saying is how there's a contrast between a strong goal and purpose of those people born after World War II and maybe a couple of decades later in Taiwan versus people now. Um, Japan's been experiencing this for 20 years and Taiwan probably just started a few years ago. So what this does is that because there is no real demand now for anything with a real purpose, it creates an a interesting effect. Then your degrees don't matter as much anymore. Right back then, it doesn't matter if you went to college or not. You got a good-paying job, but now it's it's all about how good of a degree you can get, and this creates a lot of pressure for the young people in the educational system. They're expected now not to rebuild the country, but to make their parents proud, <laughs> or to get a good degree so they could find a job or a good job that pays well. Um, this was totally different from my grandparents and probably many other grandparents. They had a much clearer idea of why they were working so hard. We don't have such a clear idea. Our, our idea is just to live well and you know experience a good life or something. So after a while now, I believe there is a rise in this sort of a rise in this kind of um, thinking a rise in questioning I should say this kind of thinking from the youth all over the world in western developed and Asian developed countries I should say they're asking themselves if this role really suits them they've been given this role and they're kind of going against it now Certainly, there are much more to talk about regarding this topic, but I'll just make things simple and share with you one specific thought that came to my mind. Um, Speaking of our minds, our minds are designed to always fill it with something. If you're just sitting there without doing anything, your mind will start creating images, images of the past or images of the future. It just cannot be empty. That's why it's so hard. That's why some religions spend their whole lives trying to get that empty mind, you know, but that's another topic. What I'm saying is that our mind is very powerful and just the fact that you need to rebuild something was strong enough to carry an entire generation for decades. And my argument is that we lack a powerful theme right now. But that's okay. It doesn't mean we have to go to another war just to, you know, find something that will unite us. Even though war has always been a very good uniter because it unites us against them, right? You can kind of see that now. Now, we always find something to fight about. Now, in the United States, it's about racism. It's about different colors and different, you know, races and stuff. We're always fighting for some weird reason. I guess it's just built into our our brain. 
But what I found is that there are many other um, values that we no longer protect or we don't clarify and pursue. I often talk to my friends and I try to ask as many people as possible about things to get a better idea of what's going on right now. And um, a lot of people also express the same. They're, they're, they feel lost. I mean, everything looks fine. You know, there's no, no, no problem. And you can't show that you're lost. It doesn't work like that in today's society. The moment you show you're lost, you're like looked at as a loser or something. Nope, I don't believe in that at all. That's another reason why I started this next level. I want to share what I've found, my own journey, and I'm sure many others are like me. And if not, if I'm wrong, then that's fine. If there's one or two that can relate to how I feel, um, it's all worth it. So out of all the values um, that I can share today, I just want to share one, and that is sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is a, is a cool word, I think, but I never hear it now. Like in my daily um, life, when I turn on the TV, when I talk to people, I don't hear the word sacrifice. And I wonder why. Is it painful? Is it something we no longer need? Hmm, I don't know. I, I like to ask more people about their thoughts. If it's painful, then it means we've lost the ability to make sacrifices. But if I'm wrong, it's actually because there's no need to sacrifice. Then that's good news. There's nothing we need to sacrifice anymore. But this kind of thinking has to me one little problem. If you don't need to sacrifice anything, that means you can get everything without any cost. But sacrificing to me means you pay a cost for something. So, for example, I can sacrifice partying on the weekends with my friends and do some studying and reading. That's a sort of sacrifice. Uh, but maybe sacrifice still exists, but we just don't see it that way anymore. Maybe we, we don't like it. It just sounds so bad. It sounds like we're limited. And today's world, the, the overwhelming message is you can do anything. You can be anything you want. You know, for example, Adidas, you know, impossible is nothing. You know, all these very positive um, messages make us feel superhuman, I should say. But really, is that really the case? So I'll leave it at that, and maybe I can um, discuss this topic more next time. Well, I'm out of time, so thanks again for listening to this podcast, and see you guys next time.